From the Sunshine State, this is Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? If you had come to me in friendship, then the scum that ruined your daughter would be suffering this very day. And if by chance an honest man like yourself should make enemies, then he would become my enemies. And then they would fear you. Be my friend. Godfather. When Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract with a big band leader. And as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. And my father went to see this band leader. My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature be on the contract. That's a true story. That's my family, kid. It's not me. Hey, what are you gonna do? Nice college boy, huh? Didn't want to get mixed up in the family business? Now you want to gun down a police captain? Why, because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? What do you think, this is the army where you shoot him a mile away? You gotta get up close like this, but a bing, you blow their brains all over your nice side league suit. Come here. You're taking this very personal. It's not personal, son. It's strictly business. My father's no different than any other powerful man. Any man who's responsible for other like a senator or a president. You know how naive to sound. Why? Senators and presidents don't have men killed. Who's being naive, Kay? <laughs> Get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. 
Hi, this is Dave Mason, co-founder of the classic band Traffic and writer of a song which you all know called Feeling Alright. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com. You can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. We can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio Cars.com, the archive page. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? Well, not me, but well, wait a minute. We got, we got, uh, we got, we got one of the members of the family on the phone, huh? 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 I think he said that clip. Hey, it's very good. Hey, no, Gabich. Yeah, he Gabich. He parlo in poco italiano, eh? Easy, easy. Start. I spent a momento. Start the sheet, which means shut up. Okay. There's a big, there's a big car show going on tonight. Where? And um, well. I can't tell you where because it's just for the family. Oh, okay. okay. Got to have a caddy. Got to have a caddy, all right. At least a 55 up to a 71. All right. All right. But there's going to be a new car there. It's called the Edsel Merman. The Edsel Merman. Edsel Merman. Yeah. Sinatra. I got it from Sinatra about 15 years ago. Ah. An Edsel Merman. An Edsel Merman. It sings. It sings, and when you go to start it, it sounds like this. There's no business like show business like no business, you know. Anyway, that's what it sounds like when it started. Hey, good. I'm making some. I'm making some scongeal. Okay. Hey, I and pasta and linguine and a cannoli. Easy, exactly. And yeah. listen, leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. You got it, man. All right, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. That was not sure what that show was. That was the uh, <laughs> one of the local local members of the family. That's yeah. true. We're on an Italian kick tonight. Yeah, that's it. All right, so back to uh, what we do here this past weekend. Well, of course, we didn't do anything oh, except well. tinker, but we did go to Orlando yesterday because uh, the Meekum Collector Car Auction is taking place. So naturally, I had to go over and check it out. I'll probably be probably be there on Saturday as well. But I went over there Monday. I had to do some business in Orlando. And I got to tell you, they had a lot of cars. I mean, thirty five hundred cars. There was a lot of cars. It rained, you know. And I didn't really go inside and watch the auction that much because there really wasn't a lot going on. But I was definitely out in in the tents looking at some cars. You know, and there was some pretty amazing stuff out there. One car that got my attention was a fifty seven Mercury, and it was built by Bill Strobe, who was. Like the West Coast Holman and Moody, so to speak. Nobody was Holman and Moody. But you had Carroll Shelby on the West Coast, obviously, and then you had Bill Strope. Bill Strope did a lot of cool stuff, a lot of NASCAR stuff, a lot of Baja stuff. But anyway, so he was noted for that. He was buddy buddies with uh, Pernelli Jones, and uh, he did some stuff for uh, for uh, Yarborough, I think. He also did some stuff for Dan Gurney. Um, Mario Andretti, he, he built a lot of pretty badass stuff out of California. But anyway, in this particular case, he had this really cool Lincoln uh, Mercury with a 368 Lincoln motor in it, pair of quads on it. Really nice. And actually, the valve covers were kind of cool looking. Kind of remind me of uh, of a 50, 57, 55, 56, 57 Thunderbird with the aluminum fin valve covers that they put on the Thunderbirds. But anyway, that was one cool car, three speed on the column. Pretty neat piece. Very, very nicely done. Uh, another car that caught my attention, outside of the usual, you know, Chevelles, Torinos, Mustangs, Bosses, Shelbys, 
Um, but there was a 70 El Camino. Now, back in the day when I was in high school, Taltor used to be a speed shop here in downtown Clearwater off Myrtle. At the end of Myrtle, actually, in Lakeview. And the owner at the time was a friend of ours, a friend of mine by the name of Terry Hunt. He's still around, too, by the way. But he ordered from, I think, Quinlan Chevrolet at the time, which was out there on 19, uh, a factory LS6, which is a 454 horse El Camino, factory four-speed, bucket seat console. And I don't remember if it had air or not, but I know it had power windows. Very, very heavily loaded car. Red car, white vinyl top, white straps, cowl induction, a whole nine yard. Beautiful car. I had a chance to buy that car back when I was in high school, but, you know, being a Ford guy, I had to buy the Ranchero. Little did I realize how rare that car was. But anyway, there was a couple of them that were over there at the auction, but one in particular was a black one, four-speed car. Uh, console, tacking gauges, uh, manual windows and stuff, but, but and didn't have the deluxe interior. But it was a nice-looking car. Had the cowl hood and everything on it. But, you know, that was a pretty... I sat in that car. I thought that was pretty cool. It was a neat piece. Now, when I open and close the doors... That's the thing about going to the auction. Most of the time, you don't know what you're buying in an auction. But every once in a while, if you have the time, you can look, you can check it out, you can open and close the doors, you can play with it a little bit, and you'll find some exceptional cars. There are always a few really, really unusual cars. I need to post some of the pictures. There was an excursion over there, too, Bobby, a 2000 diesel. Yeah. at hundred. 120-some-odd thousand miles on it. Usually have one every year now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was there, diesel four-wheel drive. Um, I lost the, the uh, record sleeve here. Which uh, song am I queuing up? Uh, hang <laughs> I on. I love this. Oh, Sold, uh, Soldier in the Rain. Yeah, or rain? Yes, that one. that's the one. Right, right, right. Um, at any rate, uh, um, what else was over there? It was kind of cool. Um, Tom Ivo's, a bunch of his uh, race car dragsters were there, including his quad-engine Olds Tornado. And a lot of, he was a really, and we're going to have to get Tommy Ivo back on the show. He was, besides being a TV star, he had some, he was pretty dead serious about racing. He had some pretty, pretty badass stuff. Very innovative. He was a Buick guy. And uh, so he had some pretty amazing stuff. Multi-engine cars, you know. So you stop and think about it. Here's a guy that was in the movies, and yet he was racing. He had to sign, you know, some sort of little deal so he could do both. And uh, that worked out pretty well for him. Uh, Four GTs, plenty of four GTs there. A couple Ferraris. Um, let's see what else stands out. Well, I met the gentleman. His name's Gary from Texas. He's got a huge collection. There's a lot of collections there, a lot of collections. But this guy's got a collection of red Shelbys and bosses. One in particular they had was a Trans Am Boss 302 that had been a race car since day one, which if I had the extra change, 70, 80, 90 grand or whatever it was, I'd probably, probably stick that in my garage. Um, but he had a really, really nice Boss 420. In addition to the Boss 429s and the Boss 302s and the Shelbys and, uh, you know, all the really other cool. And he had a Lightning that had like 1,500 miles. He had some low mileage stuff. But he had a 62 uh, Galaxy factory 406 four-speed car. Just a post, I mean, a sedan. I mean, a hardtop, but just a formal roof hardtop. Actually, pretty cool-looking car. Unusual, you know. And he had all the paperwork and everything on that car, which is kind of neat, you know, to have all the documentation. Um, but the uh, he also can lay claim to the fact that besides all the show, he has 400 cars. Now think about this: 400 cars and a 35,000 square foot warehouse. That's just two thirds of an acre on the roof. That's pretty amazing. So my hats off to guys like that. And I asked him. I said, "Why are you selling the cars?" He says, "Well, I'm just selling a few of them. Not all. Am I going to miss them? Yeah, maybe. You know, but they're going to find good homes. That's the important thing. You know, there." But he uh, he has the very first 69 Boss 429, and he also has the very first 70 Boss 429, both cars first sold to the public. 
There was a guy that had a Batmobile there. There was a replica of the original one and the Bat Cycle. That was pretty cool. Um, another Boss 429 over there. In fact, the KK number on that was 1393, which is six cars away from mine because mine used to be 1399. The first 279 Boss 429s have the S motor in them. And that's the full-blown NASCAR motor with the big rods and big heads and all the all the other cool stuff. And they start at serial number 1200 and go to 1279. Anything past 1279 is what they call an A motor. Um, so it's a hydraulic engine as opposed to uh, a solid lifter motor like the early ones, which pretty pretty serious motor. And they were all detuned. I mean, nobody really knows what any of that stuff was. But I will tell you this. The Chevrolet got away with ranking their cars a little higher horseway. we got somebody else on the phone? Yeah, right. you got Andrew the Master Barber. Andrew the Master Barber. How you doing there, Andrew? I read a lot about you. You answer a lot of my comments. But I didn't know you do a radio show. Oh, I thought you do. I did a radio show. Yeah, in fact, you need to help me get your buddy Ron DeSantis on the show. And then you tell me this is Italian night. It's Italian day. Well, we're doing a little gangster thing, you know. I mean, actually, my guest is that's coming on a little bit later. We got to talk, and he was he was watching the movie The Valachi Papers. He was watching The Valachi Papers. You know, you know whose hair I used to cut, uh, Mr. Valachi. Alphonse Anastasia's grandson. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Well, we'll have to have you on on Mafia Night. If you want to meet. All the retired mob, you got to go up to Dietschy's up on 19 on the weekend. They're all there. Oh, are they really? Okay. Well, we ought to have a round table down here, and they can tell some stories. What do you think? It's amazing. Oh, you got you have no idea the stories that could be told. It's amazing. <laughs> now, now they can tell them, right? Now, what do you have? You have a shop, or you got a boneyard, or what? Well, I used to have a boneyard, and I used to have a shop. I kind of have a shop, but I'm a licensed independent car dealer appraiser, so I buy and sell, wheel and deal, still screw around with cars and parts. I still got a dealer's license, man. I got a place up on on US 19. We hang our license in Palm Harbor. Oh, really? Is it with Frank? Frankie up there? No, no. I know Frankie the Barber real well. Okay. uh, No, I'm with, uh, do you ever hear of American Heritage Real Estate Auctioneers? Right next door to Bob's Carpenter Mart. Oh, really? No, I have to pop in there and check you guys out sometime. Well, we have the license, but basically we just play with classic cars. And, you know, I've been playing with cars all my life since I was a kid. And I still play with them. I still buy and sell them. I got cars that I like to drive and cars that I like to restore, man. I've been doing restoring all my life. Well, we're just going to have to have you on the show one day. We'll just have to talk about uh, <laughs> the Italians, and we'll talk about uh, Fiat's. We'll talk about pizza, and we'll talk about classic cars. You you need to stop in my barber shop, man. I think you'd enjoy it in there. <laughs> I was in there one time when you were up on uh, all, on. Oh uh, uh, no, no, you're going to see my new place, man. All right, we'll have to check that out. It's nothing but cars and Trump. Well, there, cars and Trump. That's it. That's it. What's better than that? Huh? Nothing. Trump cars. Other than that, a cannoli. A cannoli, yeah. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> well, Are you on this time? Uh, what? This is what? Every, Tuesday, every night? Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m., yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to tune in. I had no idea you had a show. So oh. I've been listening and watching, and I like it. Well, very good. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. All right, brother. All right. Hey, go ahead and give yourself a shameless plug real quick. A what? A shameless plug. Tell everybody who you are and how they can get their hair cut. Oh, well, I'm Andrew, Andrew the Master Barber. I have a shop on Overcast Drive in Dunedin, and uh, we're politically not correct whatsoever. 
really no liberals come in there that have a reputation. <laughs> you got, and if they do, we do throw them out. So yeah. But anyway, if you're into Trump and cars, it's the place to come, man. Because that's all we talk about is cars and Trump, and uh, we got a lot of customers that got some hot cars that come in too all the time. Yeah, absolutely. How's your brother doing? Is he still trapped up there in New York? Yeah, let him stay up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, who, Bobby, who's the show hey, on? You can hear him on FreedomWorks Monday, Wednesday, yeah. Friday at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Andrew, thanks for calling in. All right. Got it, brother. Be good. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. So on that note, I think we better fire up the stereo real quick and then get our guests on the show and uh, stick around. we got a really fascinating musical guest coming on. I'm sure if you guys were tuned into the radio while you were driving your classy car back in the 70s. Well, back then they weren't classics yet. They, they are today. But I still have the car that I used to listen to some of this, uh, some of the music by our next guest. So, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Here's a little John Ford Coley. are gathering around as I stand on the bridge of the river Years have gone since I was here and I'm wondering how I differ Taxi cabs keep rolling by and a blind man asks for change And here I stand a soldier in the rain They say love knows no distance, but the longing never ends. And all along these dreams that possess my heart never were too plain. And here I stand, a soldier in the rain. rips the lid off organized crime. Listen carefully. $100,000 for Joe Balacci. Joe Balacci spent 30 years outside the law. And now, what he saw, what he did, 
and what he lived to tell about has become a shattering motion picture. The Balachi Papers, rated R. Hi, this is Steve Cropper, guitar player for Booker T. DMGs and the Blues Brothers. You listen to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgic Radio Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is the co-founder of the legendary duo band out of the 70s that had some absolutely amazing hits like I Really Want to See You Tonight, Sad to Belong, Nights Are Forever Without You. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening John Ford Coley. John, how are you? Good, man. Actually, it's a, I'd really love to see you tonight. And it's nights are chopped liver without you. <laughs> okay, I like that. I always like a good spin. That works really, really good. I'm just trying to give you the backstory. <laughs> oh, the backstory. Okay. Well, now, no, wait a minute. Now that's interesting because when you guys come up with these songs, okay, and when you're sitting around playing around, you know, uh, and you're trying to come up with titles and lyrics. Do you actually, a lot of times, I would be love to have hear bloopers where you actually change the lyrics to something else. Of course, we have, we're a we're, we're family show. We have to comply with FCC. But I'm sure there are some times when you could have some fun with, with some of the lyrics and titles, right? You know, there are definitely times that I've misunderstood lyrics and I've started singing something else to someone else's song. <laughs> oh, yeah? And, uh, then discovered that it's not that lyric at all. So I figured, hey, I got a, I got a one here, you know. That happened on a couple of different songs. The things, the last two songs that you played, that was written by Parker McGee. Both of those were written by Parker McGee. And so I wish I'd had something to do with it, but unfortunately I did not. Well, now take us back to the early days, okay? So you and England Dan, or at that time Dan Seals, um, were high school buddies playing musical instruments with different bands, right? Well, actually, Dan and I start. Dan was already in an established group, so they had a guitar player that quit. Uh-huh. And uh, we went to school with one another, but we had no idea of one another at all because Dan actually was a year ahead of me, and he would leave during the early morning hours to go to a job. He had a work uh, release thing kind of a deal from high school. So uh, when the band lost a guitar player. Everybody else in the group wanted a piano player. Well, Dan wanted another guitar player. So I tried out an audition for the band, and I got the gig, you know. And, and uh, Dan and I did not get along because Dan didn't want me in the group. He wanted another guitar player. So here I'm just now trying to keep a low key, you know. Dan's the lead singer and, and saxophone player, so I'm trying not to get in, you know, in... in uh, difficulty with him but we would drive to the various gigs that we had together and we discovered that you know we like to sing together so dan would always take the lead because he always had such a wonderful lead voice and then i sang harmony on everything so we just developed that sound we sing righteous brothers and everly brothers and you know things like that and just kind of developed that uh that sound that we did pretty much when now you you play like Dan Dan played uh, I, well, what would they call it when um, air instruments so basically flute and saxophone and he played guitar yeah, and then Dan, you Dan, Dan was a really good sax player um, he didn't really get to show those skills off all that much later on when he and I were a duo uh-huh. but back in the band Dan was a great sax player he also went out and bought a soprano sax 
which is probably still hands down one of my favorite instruments. And I try to utilize that in the things that I do on my own as much as I possibly can. I just, I just love the sound of that instrument. Uh, but you play piano as well, right? I do. I was classically trained, you know, Bach and Beethoven and, I was raised on a lot of show tunes, opera, and I mean, you know, it's so funny. Here I'm a cowboy, you know, and uh, I worked horses a good portion of my life, but yet I'm classically trained playing Bach and Beethoven. And so when they play well, play some George Jones, I'd go, man, I'd love to. I just don't know any of his songs, you know, so there you go. Now, what part of Texas are you guys from? I, I originally came from Dallas. And uh, Dan came from a little town called Irianne in Rankin out in West Texas. His dad was a wildcat uh, oil uh, oil guy. Uh-huh. So Dan was born and raised out there, but then he moved to Dallas, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was, uh, I don't know, early teens or something like that. And uh, that's where we met, was in high school. Well, now, when you guys were um, uh, were younger and stuff, okay, so Dan, he's related to um, the the part the duo uh, from Seals and Croft, because the last name, Seals? Yeah, he's Jimmy Seals' younger brother. Okay. And uh, so he, he has a long list of musical family members, so to speak, that have, and I guess he's got some nieces and nephews that are also uh, singers and, and musicians these days? Yeah, so... Some distant cousins and things like that. Brady Seals out of Little Texas is related. Uh, he had a brother, Eddie Seals, that was um, in the music industry, kind of a uh, more comedian kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And then his dad played on the Grand, not the Grand Ole Opry, but Big D Jamboree and stuff like that as a guitar player. And uh, Jimmy actually was, before he got into Seals and Crofts, he actually was in a group called The Champs, and they did... Uh, Tequila and things like that. Dash Cross was a drummer. Glenn Campbell was a guitar player. Really? Jimmy was a state champion fiddler. So he's playing all these fiddle contests and stuff like that. So they had a very prolific family musically. Now, how about you and your background? Anybody, your mom, dad, anybody musically oriented? I mean, how did you get into it? What inspired you? Mom and daddy sang in the choir. Um, when I was about six years old, I don't know what I'd been watching, but I was sitting on the barber stool at the barber shop, you know, pretending I was playing piano, and they just kind of gave it to me, you know, it's like they gave me piano lessons. I started off, did that, and, um, you know, just kind of later on graduated to different things. I just, you know, I like to say that, that it was something that I developed, but it was just a gift from God, so I don't try to take credit for it. I just try to keep it up. So what was your childhood like? So you said you're a cowboy. So were you, like, did you guys, your mom and dad, did you have a ranch or anything like that? Or uh, no, I mean, as a kid, I was beaten all the time and kicked around like a football. You know, I used to, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I came from the best parents in the world. Uh, I, man, you know, for me, I was just uh, one of those kids that, just kind of got into a lot of different things. I was always either playing sports or, or you know, doing something else. I worked horses, like I said. I worked at the rodeo for a while. Really? I didn't ride. I just worked with my uncle. Uh-huh. And um, as a matter of fact, I've had, I, I make kind of a joke of it to where they say, uh, most people think that, that all musicians that are no longer on the radio anymore really are actually just living off their stock options. 
And I tell them the only stock options that I ever got was when I worked at the rodeo. I either got to load up the bulls or the bucking stock, and that was about <laughs> it. So. All right, so now you and Dan have a high school band. Hey, that rhymes. You and Dan have a high school band. Um, and uh, so how did England Dan and John Ford Coley become this great duo out of the 70s with some amazing songs? The only thing that I can tell you, man, is that God reached in and kissed us on the head. That's about, about all I can say. There are people that can play me under the table and make me look like a first-rate neophyte. And why one group makes it and another one doesn't just beats the heck out of me. So that's the only thing that I can say. We, we just had so many things drop in our lap. We had, um, first of all, we went out, we recorded. And uh, Herb Albert picked us up. Herb Albert actually, wow. and he and Louis Shelton, the ones that are responsible for us. And, you know, I love most, both those men, especially Herb. And uh, so they brought us out. We ended up, right after the record was released, Carol King had just done the Tapestry album. And so she was on the same label. She's playing the Troubadour, and they said, you're opening for her. I'm staring down at Barbara Streisand and Judy Korn and all these other people from on that stage. And so then she takes us to Boston with her. And so that was just a real, real cool deal because she was such a nice lady. And then the next thing you know, we get a call from from an agent that we were with. And he said, um, Elton John is playing in uh uh, Minneapolis and in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks canceled out to do a TV show. So we need a band to go with them. And we went, great. That's terrific, man. Who's Elton John? <laughs> so then I'm listening to Elton John stuff, because this is like 1971. Okay, yeah, he was relatively new. To, well, we get up to, to do our sound check, and it was just two acoustic guitars. That was it, just four mics. And we stood there. And so we did our sound check in like five minutes. And the guy said, wait a minute, that's it. You're you're done? And we said, yeah, we, we need to get that. And they said, man, we love you guys. Tour with us all the time. So we went down and played um, uh, in San Diego with Elton. And then we went... He went to Japan from, from San Diego. We get a call. I'm going to England for a month to play over there in November. Come with me. So we went to England for a month with Elton, opening for him. And it was just like all the time. We, we had a deal. We, we kind of opened up for a group called Bread. Bread? Whoa. You know, again, it was the same thing. And But I played, I had added piano at that point. And so one morning, and our manager and I did not get along at all. She, she and I just, we, we went toe-to-toe and head-to-head all the time. And so she gets a call from the uh, agent, and he says, Okay, what did Dan or John say to David Gates? And she went, Oh, gosh, you know, what happened? She said, If it was something bad, it was probably John. He's a hot-tempered, you know, so-and-so. So anyway, he says, well, we got a call from David Gates this morning from Brad, and he said, do not book us unless you book Dan and John to open for us. Wow. So it was like we're touring with Brad all the time. Chicago, Seals and Cross, uh, the Youngbloods, everybody in the world we're touring with. Now, 
that to me is just like I said. We just kind of, God reached down and kissed us on the head. I don't get it. Did you realize the impact of the caliber of musical talent that you guys were traveling around with at the time? No, not at all. I thought that, I thought they were really nice guys. I liked the music, fortunately enough. Uh, but by and I mean Three Dog Night. We're going we're going with them in um, in Japan. They took us over there for two weeks because we had a number one song called Simone. And so we're touring with these guys. Got to be really good friends with them. Uh, I mean, it was just such a like I said, it was just like dominoes. I don't understand how it happened. I, I couldn't have orchestrated it better myself. Now, at the time, the music that you were playing, you and Dan, did you guys write and compose your own music, or were you playing music that was written, composed by by other music uh, songwriters? No, we were doing. We wanted to do our own thing. You know, it was kind of like we, even when we got uh, called out to to A and M with Herb Alpert. You know, he was told kind of a cross between. The then curtain BGs and Simon and Garfunkel, and so we were kind of doing those kinds of things, and we wanted to write our own songs and and you know become known as singer songwriters. And uh, I mean, we, it was a tough go because it's like you know recently I received the third album that was never released off of A and M, and I'm listening to the songs then that we recorded. Versus the songs that we ended up that were that were you know well recognized and known, and I'm going well. We've got all story songs here, you know. They're just talking about this, and and it's it's not about love. And so you kind of get an idea. I, I remember one time there there was this bass player we had, and he had a girlfriend. They they were kind of new together, and they're sitting in the back seat while I'm driving to the gig. And they're kind of making out. And then I'm looking at it going, no wonder my songs don't get any play. These, these are the kind of songs these guys want, all love songs. And I'm, I'm a storyteller. So I don't, I don't think that way. You know? Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, I joke with people now and I tell them, especially as I've gotten older, it's kind of like uh, you, I don't, if I never again have to play or write a song like I want to love you all night long or let's make love to the morning light. I mean, I just laugh and go, really? I mean, <laughs> really? I mean it's like, wouldn't you rather like, you know, take a power nap or, or smoke a cigarette or something? You know, it's like, so, you know, I make fun of it still. Well, I got to tell you, the song, I really like to see you tonight and, uh, uh, nights are forever without you. Um, Though when I was dating my wife back then, and by the way, on the fourteenth, which is Friday, right, Bobby? My son is the co-producer here. Is our thirty-ninth yes. anniversary, but we dated six years before that. So actually, seven, eight years before that. So in nineteen seventy-six, we first went, had our first date, and that's when your two song, one of your songs, and then the other one was in seventy-nine. So I just want to say thanks for the memories because we still like those songs, we still listen to those songs. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You guys have kept me working a long time. <laughs> so, like, when you go out and you could do concerts today, which you do a fair amount, and matter of fact, you have one coming up in Ormond Beach this weekend. Tell us about that and how people can find out about it. Oh, uh, gosh, you can go to my website, johnfordcoley.com, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be at the Performing Arts Center there. It's a fundraiser of some kind. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't really have all that information. But uh, it's about 7 o'clock on, on uh, Saturday night, the 15th. And come on out. But, I, mean, I don't think you're that far away. Uh, two hours like, or three hours. I, I or... just take people down memory lane. I play acoustically, just piano and guitar. Tell a lot of stories because I've got a lot of stories. I need to As a matter of fact, I wrote a book, um, I think called Backstage Pass, with some of those stories. Well, I'm about to write a sequel to it because the, they just keep piling up. And uh, it's like one of them, you know, you made mention of the fact of all these, these players and stuff and working with them. One of the biggest, uh, I, I guess you could kind of call it feathers in my cap, uh, we were kind of doing a remix on a couple of the songs that we had done previously on the albums for the Best Of album. And one of the ones that we wanted to do, you had just played, so it reminded me of the story, Soldier in the Rain. And so Steve Lukather from Toto, who ended up playing on uh, a lot of our uh, uh, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive album, I mean, this guy's phenomenal. He's absolutely uh, can't be beat, you know, as far as a guitar player. So he comes in and he's going to put some lines on Soldier in the Rain, especially that middle section, the really rough section. And so I said, well, you want me to write these? chords down for you and he looked at me and said no nah, no nah, just 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 play it down he says I'll, I'll do it we played it down and as you can tell the pros because the to- the pros don't start immediately playing they listen to the whole thing and then they ask you to play it again so we played it down for him and he looked at me and he said okay you better write this down and i thought my gosh i this guy's playing on everybody's stuff in the world and i stumped him on those chord changes so that was a great day you know well interesting story about toto um i was reading an article about them and i'm gonna try to get them on the show they actually were a sessions band sessions musicians the whole the whole bunch of them and somebody said something about the, I think the article went on to say something about musicians, and he says, from to concur with what you just said, from a mus- musician standpoint, we're some of the best. He wasn't really trying to say, I am the best, but he was basically implying, we're just as good as anybody else, but we're some of the better guys. That's one of the reasons why our songs, when we formed the band Toto, that's why we were so good and so successful at the time, which is true. They were very good. Well, they had great songs, but I'll tell you something you probably don't know. What? We used to tour with uh, Jeff Picaro, who was the drummer in the band, because he toured with Seals and Cross, played bass. Also, the younger brother, Mike, who ended up taking Dave Hungate's place in the band as the bass player, played with Seals and Cross as well. And so then David Page occasionally would come out with them, because, again, these guys were all studio guys, and so if they're out on the road, that means they're losing work and their position in the, in the session world. So, Louis Shelton was given the song, I'd really love to see you tonight. He puts together David Page and uh, uh, Jeff Picaro, and they do the demo on I'd really love to see you tonight. 
Wow. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And it's like, you know, these guys, I've worked with these guys for years, just some of the best people in the world. And, and uh, I mean, gosh, you know, you think about those things and where those people have gone, who they've done things with and for. It's kind of an amazing connection. I mean, priceless memories. Priceless memories. Let me ask yeah. you this. Um, you guys did a couple live TV shows. I think, were you on, was it uh, Don Kirsten's show? Were you on Don Kirsten's show one time, or was it somebody else? I'm trying to think. Man, I have no I don't call that name. Okay. Um, uh, and, well, anyway, it was one of those Saturday night deals. I can, Bobby, maybe you can Google it and see if it was. Um, uh, but anyway, so when you guys were doing live TV, live performances, were you actually performing live, or did they basically have the music in the background and have you guys, because I, I hear this is quite common, that they actually, in order to get the full effect, because it was just you and Dan on the stage and maybe some a few people in the background, but do, do they actually want yeah. you to lip sync, or and then the, the instruments aren't plugged in, and you're kind of doing, and they're, and they're playing the, 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 the whole record, so to speak, or how does that basically work? Because people always ask me that question. A lot of the a lot of the TV stations are not set up for live performance, so they want you to just lip sync the record. Okay. And the drawback is that it's all that all works fine as long as you're not uh, fading on the end of the song because you get to the end of the song and you're fading. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we had the option of playing live, we would jump at it. Uh huh. And um, Midnight Special. Uh, that was it. That was it. Midnight Special. Searchers Rock Concert. Things like that. As a matter of fact, we played Mike Douglas quite a bit. So they always wanted us to lip sync, but we talked them into letting us uh, play live. And they did. So we were the first band that they actually had playing live. Because so, I, would, I would prefer to play live because, again, there's a certain energy to it, and you recognize the fact that... Uh, it's it's got a different drive to it. It shows the fact that you can play. One of the biggest things that that people are still blown away with with me is the fact that I can actually play. By and large, people stand up. They they just want to be singers now. They just want to be dancers, and they can't play an instrument. So when they find out that I'm classically trained and can actually do all that stuff, it really shocks them. Is it hard? I mean, one of the I, I, they always used to talk about drummers. They said, "Wow, that's odd that a drummer would sing." Well, guitarists, we know guitarists generally sing. Pianists, they sing if it's slow. But is it is it is it something? Do you have to acclimate yourself? I mean, it's like do you besides playing with the piano because you got a right hand and left hand and you have to think with the right side and the left side of your brain. But now you got to sing too, so you got all this stuff going on at the same time. Is it is it is it come natural or is it something you have to work at? When I was trained classically, I'm playing a lot of things like Bach and Beethoven. Okay, uh. so you've got left hand, right hand, opposite of one another. They're, they're playing different rhythms. They're playing different notes. So you've always got that conjunction of right brain, left brain working for you. When I added the singing, yeah, at first it's a little bit odd, but then you just kind of go into it because you've already got the independence of the hands working with one another. And it, it just it just kind of flows, you know. A drummer, so one of the best ones I've heard was Pete Rivera out of uh, Rare Earth. Rare Earth, exactly. So he would get up and say, I, I see Pete every great now and then. That guy's a powerhouse, man. Sit up there and play that, lock it in, and still keep the rhythm going, but yet be able to do all these syncopations with his voice. It's just 
you just you just kind of grow into it, you know. Uh, another artist that you've done some work with, and he's right here in our locally in our backyard here, is uh, Bertie Hagens. You've done some stuff with Bertie yeah, over Bertie. the years too. Yep, Bertie's a good guy. I did a film with him last time I saw him. It was about 2014, 2013, something like that. We, I was in a film called uh, Christmas. Oh gosh. Anyway, yeah, but but Bertie's Bertie's a good guy. Bertie's a real good guy. Well, with a, going to be out to Firefall here pretty quick. Yeah, Bertie Higgins, Firefall, and Marshall Tucker are going to be at the uh, Ruth Eckert Hall, I believe, on the twenty first, right, Bobby? If that's if you want to double check that date yep. for me, which I think is on a I, Friday. I have not, last time I saw uh, Marshall Tucker being was up in Plymouth Rock. Massachusetts about, I don't know, I think Moses was a prophet. (laughs) (laughs) That goes back a few years. Yeah, we were trying to get uh, Gray on the show, so maybe with a little luck we'll get Doug on. But Bertie's coming on our show next week, so with a little luck, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. So, well, now, who... Who are some of the when you guys did your songs? Okay, the, the you guys remained together as a group until what 1980, 81, somewhere around in there. Yeah, yeah, eighty, yeah, late eighty, late eighty. Okay, and then what did you do it from then on? Because I know Dan went on and he would he kind of went solo. Did you do basically the same thing then at that point? Yeah, Dan really had a good country career. I mean, he went off because that's where he should have been all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But because uh, he had he had a real real love for that, and he had that kind of voice. I went off into film and acting. Uh, really? I uh, did a, a record with two sisters, Leslie and Kelly, at one point. And then just kind of, you know, just kind of stumbled around for a while, just trying to kind of find my way. And, uh, I mean, doing the film, I really enjoyed that as an actor. And then, and then later on, just kind of started touring again. When you... Um there was an episode or a uh, YouTube thing. You were on the uh, Mike Huckabee show. Tell us about working with Mike Huckabee. Of course, you know he's a bass player. So what was that like? I like Huckabee. Huckabee's a, he's probably for somebody in his position. Uh-huh. He's probably one of the most humble and unassuming people I think that I've come in contact with. And uh, I, I had always wanted to be on the show, even when it first began. So they were. They actually had a, uh, a an episode that I was on, but it was right during election season, so they were really getting into all the political stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, so they asked me if I would only play one song instead of playing two, and I said, "Tell you what, let me just come on another time. It is political season. You guys can sit there and talk about that crap, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'll just I'll just come on another time." And so then they called me back. And uh, you know, we again, we didn't talk about uh, about politics or anything like that. We pretty much just talked about music. But he, I mean, he was a good bass player. He said I put him through some, <laughs> some changes on trying to play some of those songs. And I go, yeah, it's, I'm not a one, four, five kind of guy. You know, to where C, F, G, it's no, it goes all over the keyboard. Well, it's, it's funny. Kind of like owning a gun. A piano is kind of like owning a gun. If you can't go out and shoot the darn thing every now and then, then it's no good to you. Piano. I mean, they've got 88 notes on that thing. you got to play them all at some point, you know? Yeah, it's like an AK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Music to your ears. Their own different sound. Yeah. Speaking of AK, tell us about your trip to Israel. Oh, I've been to Israel a couple of times. I love Israel. 
as a matter of fact, we did an album over there, a thing called A Long Way Home, Live in Israel, and then I did part of it in Los Angeles as well. Uh-huh. But I mean, you know, I first of all, I, I, uh, I'm i a believer, but I study in the synagogues all the time. Oh, really? So uh, most of my friends are Jewish. So when I went to Israel, it's like, nah, don't go with the Christians, go with the Jews. They know what went on. Okay. So I'm a real history freak. So it's like, I, I love going over there. Plus, for some reason, I had really studied Israeli history, especially from partition up. So from about 29 up. And um, so when I went over there the last time, I said, they said, is there anything you want to do? And I said, yeah, I want to go down the Burma Road. And they said, how do you know about the Burma Road? And I said, I read. So anyway, we get over there. And we're going down the Burma Road, and I mean, it's a rough deal. And I knew the history of it all, so I'm explaining to stuff over on top of what the tour guide's explaining. No kidding. And he looked at me, and he said, man, you know this better than I do. Why don't you just give the tour? And I said, no, no, you're fine. You're doing good. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump over and usurp authority here, but, I mean, it was... I love it over there. I really do. Now, were those were those like a, a charity benefit um, concerts that you did over there, or was it just because uh, you wanted to go over there and play? No, I actually got invited over there to a place called Irad, which is down on the uh, top of the Negev, uh-huh. and not too far from Masada. And so that was just it was a, it was a concert. And then uh, I got asked to come back there, and we actually played in the Galan, um, and and. Uh, you know, we're we're all up around the Canary. Oh, I'm sorry, the um, uh, uh, Sea of Galilee. You call it the Sea of Galilee. They call it the Canary. And so we went across that, and I played, and uh, then we went down to Jerusalem again. You know, and stayed for for four or five days. And I I, I know Jerusalem fairly well. So were you, uh, so now the the when when you were over there were they were there people real familiar with your music and everything well i'd really love to see it tonight had been a number one song over there in about um 76 77 mm-hmm. and so when we played you know people were familiar with the music we played for a group of kids that were autistic and uh handicapped and so we got up and we sang a song called luyahi in Hebrew with them, and um, I mean, you know, it, it was it was really a, a great opportunity to go over there. Got to sing Hatikva, uh, and um, you know, it, it was just really an enjoyable trip. Do you like traveling? We got, a, I guess, about a minute or so. When you when you travel, uh, and it's for for the for the benefit of the concerts and stuff, if. Between Europe, let's say the Mid East, um, South America, perhaps Japan. Where, where did you have some of your your best experience? I have a I have a good experience just about every place I go. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Philippines. Really, I really love the Philippines. Yeah, I love in I love Asia in general, but the Philippines in particular. Uh, the people are just absolutely wonderful. They're so sweet. Uh, it's just, it's just a wonderful experience every time that I go. I've been over there about 30-something times. And um, I try to go as, as much as I possibly can. But, I mean, you know, again, I'm an adventurer. So I like to go out and, and explore things and find out what happened here. 
And again, you run into all kinds of history that you just would never know about otherwise. So I always try to go out and see something um, that, that I'm unfamiliar with. Well, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like you have some great travel uh, stories. We're going to have to do that again. John, if I invite you back on the show, can we get you back on here maybe the next uh, five or six months down the road, something like that? You bring in pie? Uh, you know what? Maybe you come in. I'll bring pie if you sit in the studio next to me. We'll get key lime pie, Florida key lime pie, and we'll get it from the village. The village inn, right? That's a, that's they get some of the best pie in town. But no pumpkin, okay? No pumpkin. No, 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 no. We're working. We're, 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 we're way too far from no, <laughs> Key lime pie. That's it. I eat that all day long. It'll be great. All right, sounds good. So, John, one more time, real quick. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go? To go to your website, right? Yeah, uh, johnfordcoley.com. Uh, it's got the dates. It's also got, you know, merchandise, the albums that I've done recently, Eclectic and The Long Way Home. And I've got a brand new one called Sketches, Volume 1. Uh-huh. It actually was uh, demos that I had done. A couple of them had gone into films. Excellent. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, still active for me. I still enjoy doing it. I still enjoy traveling, going out and playing and talking and telling stories and just taking people down memory lane and laughing a lot. That sounds great. Well, John, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I want to thank my special guest, John Ford Coley of England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. John, take care, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Good luck in your concerts. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. You know where to find us right here, right, between 7 and 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Don't forget to follow us. Uh, what's our social media stuff, Bob? All the, bi- all, the, all the big ones, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that. Oh, yeah, don't forget, Meekum Auction this week, all week long. They're on TV, you know, and we'll see some motor car cavalcades coming up. Bear Jackson, Scottsdale Collector Car Week's coming up. Cavalino's coming up. Lots of car shows. Hey, I want to see you guys in your cars. Drive, uh, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family, guys. I found an island in your arms, country in your eyes. Arms and chains, eyes and line. Bring on through to the other side. Bring on through to the other side. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.